Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Want to learn how to be an entrepreneur? You are dedicated and devoted to a life of developing new ideas and innovations. Willing to take calculated career risks, achieving independent wealth and success. Then you are ready to experience the entrepreneur effect. We'll highlight opportunities for entrepreneurs in digital marketing through interesting, practical, and thought-provoking interviews and monologues. Increase your income and be your own boss by listening to The Entrepreneur Effect. Please welcome your host, a 25-year veteran in sales, management, and business development, Dush Ramachandran. Hi, and welcome to Entrepreneur Effect. This is Dush Ramachandran, and my guest today is Dean Forster. Uh, Dean is the founder of DFA Intercultural Global Solutions, and he's done a lot of great work in um, interpreting cross-cultural attitudes and mores uh, to to business people everywhere. Welcome, Dean. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, Dush. Thanks so much. Wonderful. I'm glad you could make the time. So uh, let's talk a little bit about... um, understanding cultural differences. Of course, you know, in in America, as we know, um, many people tend to be relatively ignorant about other cultures because um, they really haven't had the exposure of, you know, communicating with people of other cultures and so on. So business people often sort of venture into um, partnerships with foreign companies or foreign individuals without truly understanding the culture. And that way lies 
quite a few pitfalls and uh, challenges, as, as I'm sure you've discovered through your research and the work you've done with uh, uh, entrepreneurs and business owners. So tell us, what is it what was the 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 revelation that caused you to um, you know come to this conclusion and focus on this work that you're doing? Right, right. Well, well, thanks for that question because this takes us back about thirty, thirty-five years when we first started doing this kind of work, and we refer to it as providing cultural competency for individuals who are doing work outside of their borders. And um, my background in uh, university was in sociology and anthropology. And when I graduated, I wanted to do something more than just research and and writing and digging up old uh, bones in the sand. And um, some colleagues and I uh, believed that there was a great need in uh, business in the United States, particularly, um, for understanding cultures, um, business people, this is going back to the, to the 90s, where the late 80s and 90s, where business people were looking to do, just starting to globalize and looking to do business outside of their borders and making the, the very dangerous assumption that, uh, well, business is business is business, and so the way we do it in Peoria is going to be the same thing in Paris. And, of course, anybody who does international business knows that that's not the case. And there's a lot of cost and pain associated with making that assumption. So we wanted to provide cultural information to business people who were looking to do business outside of their borders. And um, this way, the pain and the costs associated with with assuming similarities would be avoided. And, and so we started a consulting business to provide just this kind of information. And um, it grew, of course, as, uh, as, as a business with a unique idea. And uh, today we advise um, Fortune 500 companies working all around the world as to the cultural challenges they're going to face uh, when, when they do so. Um, I think it was Jack Welch, the former chairman of GE, who said that in the 21st century, the critical skill is not the hard skill expertise that you get hired for in your work, but the critical skill is the ability to take your hard skill expertise and cross cultures with it because it's the ability to work outside your borders where the opportunities lie that, um, that, that, that you have to master. And that means understanding the cultural challenges that you face. Great. So, um, so you started this business back uh, 30 or 35 years ago. And I'm sure, um, you know, at that time, um, foreign businesses or dealing with foreign cultures was not, I mean, was probably the, the the preserve of very large companies. Small companies typically didn't deal internationally. They were much more locally focused, et cetera. But now, you know, with the advent of the internet and with Amazon and all of these uh, different uh, things and the cost of travel having plummeted over time, um, International business is certainly within the reach. In fact, it's it's necessary for even small businesses and entrepreneurs to to focus on. Um, but have you noticed that the cultural competency, as you as you would refer to it, 
has increased during that time because of greater international exposure that people have had? Or do you feel that the problem remains as acute as it was 30 years ago? Right. Well, you know, it's the problem is as acute, but the, but the form has changed and, and the issues have changed a bit. Uh, you're absolutely right, Dush, that um, today everybody is instantly global. Technology has, has made that possible. And um, so even a startup out of your garage is going to be um, looking for international opportunities. And um, you've got to know exactly how to do business in the countries that you're, that you're looking for those opportunities in. And the way that they do business may be quite different from the way that you do it. Uh, one of the things we've, we've discovered is that there has, of course, been um, a certain level of understanding raised over the years. If you do work internationally, if you get on and off of planes, um, if you just read the headlines, um, you know you're, you're getting some information about other cultures, probably to a greater degree than ever before. However, that similarity of the way that we do business around the world is at a very superficial level. Um, it usually means that there are more people today using some form of global English when they do business uh, with, with each other, and, and they're using some form of technology. But when you get beyond that, they're probably doing business in a way that's unique to their culture. And so if you're doing business in China, you can be sure that there's going to be a very Chinese way of doing things. And that means everything from making to how you make decisions, how you solve problems, the expectations of how uh, superiors and subordinates are supposed to relate with each other, everything from just basic do's and don'ts of etiquette and taboos, uh, all of these things, negotiation styles, they're going to be different. And in China, it'll be a very Chinese way. So, yes, there's been some development of a global way of doing business because we have developed some familiarity with each other. But fundamentally, people are who they are of their culture. And once you get past that superficial level, uh, things change quite dramatically. So the need for this information, I think, uh, to your question, is probably greater now because more people are doing business internationally than ever before. Sure. And um, what do you, what do you uh, say to the notion that, um, you know, American popular culture, uh, particularly in Western popular culture in general, but mostly American, um, has kind of swept the world where previously 30 years ago, um, you know, if you if you went to Japan, you probably wouldn't hear very much American music. Um, but today, if you go to Japan or China or Thailand uh, or India, um, you know, all the movies that 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 you would see at your local theater are running there. The music that you would hear on the radio here. Uh, is largely what you what you hear there if you are uh, if you're tuning into a station that plays Western music, but for the most part, um, there is that you know sort of pervasive influence of uh, Western popular culture, um, specifically American. Um, how has that impacted the um, the methods and 
ways in which people conduct business or relate to one another, uh, especially as it relates to people from different cultures? Right. Good. Good question. Um, I, I think what 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 that does is it gives the advantage to the non-American and gives no advantage to the U.S. American. In other words, if they've learned something about us, then they know how we're thinking and how we're doing things. But if we have not no- learned anything about them, then they've got the advantage in terms of doing business. So they may know what we're meaning, what we're intending, how we like to do business, but it doesn't mean that's how they'll do it. It only means they understand what's coming next from us. And I think it means that we have to be as savvy about them as they've become about us. Sure, absolutely. Um, We just have a minute to go in this segment. So very briefly, have you have you noticed that um, you know in the way in which people relate to uh, Americans specifically, things have changed? Um, have I mean is is the concept of the ugly American abroad uh, st- still still a real thing, or is that is that mostly gone replaced by uh, feelings of warmth and affection? Right. Well, I think it's complicated, um, and it's always changing. Um, I, I think that you know there, there was that term once uh, to refer to Americans who went abroad ignorant of where they were going, and they were referred to as ugly Americans. But I think, I think anybody is potentially ugly if you travel and do work abroad and you don't know about the people and the culture. Today, I think um, there's a great deal of that same feeling that's now being transferred to, uh, in many countries, to the Chinese. Uh, Because the Chinese are doing the same thing that the U.S. Americans did uh, 30, 40 years ago, uh, making themselves very well known around the world, uh, but for the very first time. And doing doing so um, with all of the same trappings and attributes that were assigned to the Americans, uh, doing so without any real knowledge of the culture they were going in, or, or in some cases, respect for the culture they were going in. Right. And so, you know, I think you can attribute anyone who goes into another culture with little or no knowledge as ugly. And, and I don't think Americans are the only ones sure. who had that, that honor bestowed on them. Absolutely. Very good. Let's take a short break. and we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dean Foster. Stay tuned for more of The Entrepreneur Effect, when we return. Catholic Charities is committed to providing life's basic needs. We thank you for bringing us all here today, letting these people understand how Catholic Charities runs and how important these people are. And we ask you to guide them, to protect them, and keep them here forever because this community needs them. Visit www.catholiccharitiesusa.org to learn more. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. 
If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. You are experiencing the entrepreneur effect. Here's Dush Ramachandran. Welcome back. This is Dush Ramachandran with Entrepreneur Effect. My guest today is Dean Foster, who is the founder of DFA Intercultural Global Solutions. And um, he provides some real uh, insights into the opportunities and the perils of doing business with different cultures and, you know, cultural sensitivity. Um, So, uh, Dean, before the break, we were talking about, you know, how the world has or has not changed over these last 30 years in terms of cultural competency and cultural sensitivity. Um, so for for a young entrepreneur today, that is a large part of uh, our listeners, um, business people, entrepreneurs who have uh, a business that, that they are working on internationally. Either they are buying products from international companies, notably Chinese, uh, or they're selling to, um, you know, countries in Europe and in Asia and so on. For, for these people, uh, for people in that sort of a situation, uh, what's a good way that they can come up to speed on specific cultural issues. So obviously the cultural issues that you would encounter in doing business in Japan are completely different from those that you might encounter doing business in Thailand, for example. So what's, what's, what's a good, easy way uh, for a, uh, a business owner or an entrepreneur to, to sort of get up to speed on these things? Right, right. Well, it's a great question. And I'll be a little self-serving here and, and say that there's some great books that are out there. There's some terrific websites that you can go to. The good news is that this information is available. And um, I've written, for example, five books on the subject. Um, Bargaining Across Borders is about how international negotiation styles change country by country. So you can negotiate simply more effectively when you know the rules of negotiation in the country that you're in. And then I wrote a series of books called Global Etiquette Guides, and there's one for each major world region. And these explore all the important do's and don'ts, taboos, how to dress, how to dine, socializing, the rules behind uh, the etiquette issues of of working in these other countries. Um, So the books are out there. Um, you can certainly get more information from my website, which is deanfosterglobal.com. And there are other sources as well. So uh, 
these didn't exist uh, a while back, but now they're there. And so you can go well-prepared and well-armed, no excuse not to anymore. Right. And so when, when um, let's take an example. Um, let's say you have a business owner that um, happens to go to Thailand um, and there, you know, showing your feet to someone is a very disrespectful thing and to touch their heads is a very disrespectful thing so that's right you know patting some patting a, a thai person on their head um even even affectionately would be would be a very bad thing to do or showing right. them your feet would be a very disrespectful thing um so what's the what's the worst that can potentially happen because obviously um the problem is that a lot of people become very, very afraid uh, to venture out for fear of offending or for fear of doing the wrong thing. And that can actually prevent them from taking action and doing something and getting out there and making things happen. Um, so, you know, looking at the worst case scenario, what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, are you likely to offend someone so badly that they would refuse to do business with you? Or is it merely that well, that was that was probably a little inappropriate, but anyway, uh, you'll be given a pass for being a foreigner uh, and not understanding their social uh, sort of rules and uh, mores. Uh, which which is it? Right, and great question. It's been my experience that most people are very kind, actually, um, and forgiving when they know they're working with someone who who demonstrates a lack of knowledge about their culture. And so they're already giving you a pass because you are foreign and you simply don't know the way things are done. The trouble is the pass doesn't last very long. Sooner or later, they, the expectation is that you'll figure it out and know that what you're doing is really offensive. And if you don't, or if you don't make the effort to know that that's the case, then they do get upset. And that could kill a deal. So I think there's a very small window of, um, of getting that pass, as you say. Um, but very quickly thereafter, they're going to lose patience with the person, uh, whether they're U.S. American or anybody, who hasn't figured out that that isn't the way we do it here. So I think if you, if you just short-circuit the whole process and get it right from the start, and it doesn't take much. Um, these rules are clear, and um, they're not arcane. Uh, they make sense within the culture that, that you find yourself. Um, you know, we as U.S. Americans have some very strange habits that are equally baffling to, to non, non-Americans when they come here. So, yeah, give us a couple so of I, examples of those, if you would, just, just so people can get a sense for how baffling we can be to people that are new to our culture. Well, it's very important in U.S. culture to appear friendly with people, particularly friendly with people who you don't really know. And when you stop and think about that, that's kind of an odd thing, isn't it? To, to, to demonstrate friendliness right up front before you actually know someone. And, and the reasons for this behavior go to U.S. history and experience and, and the formative nature of, of the republic. And, and, and there's lots of explanation as to why Americans insist on being so friendly, but 
don't put in a lot of time to actually building close and deep relationships. And there are many cultures um, where it's done just the opposite. Uh, friendliness at first is not consequential. Um, I can think of many uh, continental European cultures, particularly the ones as you go further east on the continent in Europe, where friendliness between strangers uh, is, is not the way you do it. Uh, you, you can appear, in fact, to be unfriendly or, or at least distant and cold um, from the American perspective, but you warm up slowly as one gets to know the other person. And, and so it's confusing sometimes for non-Americans, let's say from Hungary or Poland or, or Russia, when they come to the States, um, to, to see people who are um, very open and, and welcoming and expressing deep friendliness, they take that as an invitation to a deep friendship, which is not what the American intends, of course. Um, and, and that's often very confusing. Um, another aspect of U.S. behavior is that uh, we are very informal. We often insist on referring to each other uh, with our first names. Sure. And nothing more than that. So even the CEO of the company may say, Hi, glad to meet you. I'm John. And from many other cultures that are more hierarchically oriented, as we say, Thailand included, for example... Yeah. It would be very disrespectful to just presume that one could use the first name of either the person I'm addressing or that they can address me with my given name. And so this is confusing because from hierarchical cultures, the question is, who's in charge? If everybody just calls each other by the first name, who, where's the boss? Right. <laughs> so, these things can be, can be quite strange. And, and, and the reason why Americans do this, of course, is related to their culture, just the same way the behaviors that we encounter when we go abroad are related to the history and the culture of the country that we're in. Right. Excellent. And so, um, when when we come to, you know, in-person um, meetings or negotiations or discussions, uh, it's much easier to follow um, even nonverbal cues, um, perhaps the the expression on the other person's face or their body language, there there are plenty of other cues you can get as to how what you're saying is being received by the other person. Now, how do you deal with conference calls or phone calls or you know Skype conversations and things like that where you're not sitting in front of the person? Uh, very often you're not seeing the person visually so you only have their voice to go upon and so is do you need to be even more careful in that situation um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll catch up with that question so we'll, we'll take a short break now and when we come back we'll catch up with Dean on the question of how do you deal with non-personal um, interactions Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Stay tuned for more of The Entrepreneur Effect when we return. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. 
top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. WebmasterRadio.fm is the destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Engage with our panel of on-air experts and peers by following us on Facebook, Google+, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can listen to WebmasterRadio.fm on air or on demand from our website or through iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. Interact and stay informed. Just search for WebmasterRadio.fm. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. You are experiencing the Entrepreneur Effect. Here's Dush Ramachandran. And welcome back. This is Dush Ramachandran with Entrepreneur Effect. And my guest today is Dean Foster, who is the founder of DFA Intercultural Global Solutions. Um, and before the break, uh, I was asking Dean about, uh, you know, we were talking about the baffling things that Americans do that um, people from other cultures find uh, hard to deal with and how um, we need to make uh, adjustments to work with people of other cultures in order to understand what they do. So, Dean, one of the things that occurred to me as we were talking was, you know, when you're sitting in front of a person face-to-face, um, you get to see their verbal, nonverbal cues, you see their facial expressions. And so if you've said something that perhaps didn't quite land properly or may have offended them, you can usually see it in their in their expression or in their body language. But how do you deal with phone calls or long distance uh, conference calls or things like that where you don't have those visual cues, where you're talking to someone that you can't see? Um, do you have to be exceptionally careful in those situations? Or is there a very strict um, sort of format that you need to stick to so that you don't go, you know, astray and then risk offending uh, the other party. Yeah, you know, that that's an excellent question because it really goes to the heart of one of the major cross-cultural issues that that we have to be sensitive to when we're working with other cultures. And that is that cultures have different communication styles. There are some cultures that prefer to put all of the meaning of what they're saying into the words that they use. So if they're standing in front of you, or if you're on a phone call, or even if you're reading their email, you can be sure that in these cultures that are very direct and very explicit in the way that they communicate, all of the information that you need and how you're being received will be embedded in the words that, that you're hearing from them. 
and, and so it's very clear and direct. If they don't like what you said, they'll tell you that. If they disagree, they'll tell you that. If if, if they think that um, they don't quite understand what you're saying, they'll ask you to be more clear. But then there are other cultures that prefer to be what we like to refer to as um, implicit in the way that they communicate and where most of the important information in fact may not be in the words that they're using whether it's an email or a phone call or a face-to-face meeting but rather what they really mean or what they really want or how they really feel about you will be implied in other indicators, in the context, in their body language, um, in the phrasing, or even in silence, if they don't want to say something that might be too negative or too problematic, they simply might not say anything at all. And in these cultures, then it's much more difficult if you're not face-to-face with them to really understand what's going on. So what we say is, Learn what the rules are, the cultural rules are. If you're working in, um, in Japan, for example, or in many Asian cultures, these are much more inferring and implying communicators. Don't look for the information in the words, but rather you've got to approach them with a strategy for getting the real information that you need in different ways, not by asking questions, not by having a conversation in a meeting, but in different ways, like having a drink with somebody or speaking to a third party who might know the individual that you're speaking with and who might tell you more truthfully what they really think and feel. But if you're working with, let's say, the Dutch, who are known as very direct and very explicit, not only will you get all of the information that you need, but you may in fact get information that you may not want to hear. Uh, they may tell you very directly things about what you're saying that they don't like. And for many U.S. Americans, um, sometimes communicating that way is a bit too too brusque. And the take by the American on that is that the Dutch are being rude. They're not intending to be rude. They're just being practical. Um, but the Japanese take on the American is that the American is being rude by... Um, by asking questions that are too direct and too problematic. So go into your culture with a strategy for how you will change your communication style so that you can be more effective and not get tripped up over this very, very important issue. Wonderful. And for our listeners who might be interested in um, uh, working with you or uh, reading some of your books, first of all, um, what are the names of the books and where can they be uh, accessed? Are they available wherever books are sold? Yes, pretty much. You can go to Amazon.com and, um, or you can go to our website, which is DeanFosterGlobal.com. And uh, our books are, are, are listed right there. And plus lots of other information about how we might be able to help. Okay. And do you work with uh, companies and individuals? Uh, so, for example, um, the CEO of a, of a small company that's uh, expecting to do a big deal in a foreign market uh, could reach out to you and you would be, you'd be able to work with them in preparing them for their, uh, for their communications? 
Absolutely. Preparing them for the negotiation, for the meetings, for the etiquette and protocol issues, for the socializing, for getting them through um, all of that, taking them from A to Z. Yes, that's exactly the kind of consulting and support work that we do. And, you know, we also have a website called Oops, Your Culture's Showing, which is a fun exploration of, different, uh, of cultural differences around the world. And uh, we're always adding new uh, episodes to that every week or so. So if you like podcasts, just uh, tune into Oops, Your Culture's Showing. Wonderful. Dean, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Dush, it's been a great pleasure, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk about what I think is a very exciting and, and fun topic. I think it certainly is, and you certainly proved that through all of this, uh, all, the, all the fun little facts that we, we got from you on this session. Thank you. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.